0: the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle. And put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven." The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Hallelujah. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I saw a book the other day titled, How to Keep a Dying World Alive in Three Easy Steps. I'm just kidding. Such a book does not exist Everyone knows that to save a dying world would take way more than three steps, and they definitely wouldn't be easy. But Jesus does, in fewer words than a short sermon, describe the disciples as three things that will, in fact, save a dying world. His prescriptions, or are they descriptions, of these newly-minted disciples are all about life over death, about preserving and saving a culture from its own suicide, about being hope in the midst of despair. When Jesus describes the disciples as salt and light and a city on a hill, that is exactly what he is saying. The world is dying, but you can keep it alive. Now, that is an extremely bold claim and one uh, that his enemies must have found both perplexing and insulting. To maybe beat a dead horse, Jesus was not recruiting disciples from among the equivalent of prestigious universities or Fortune 500 companies uh, or media empires to find these people who would change the world and he seemed to have nothing but contempt for the religious authorities. Far from being elite Ph.D. holders or religious experts, those who were listening to Jesus were street smart, but uneducated by our own standards. And as it was true for those disciples, it is true for disciples in the 21st century as well, which is why we are also called to be salt and light and a city on a hill. You've probably heard in past sermons about the importance of salt in the ancient world. Uh, It was so valuable it was used as a currency. It's where we get the word salary because people were paid with salt. Its value was pretty obvious, right? It could preserve meat. So, uh, you know, that that dead animal, uh, its meat could be uh, preserved so that simply people could survive. They would have food. To be salt then as people means that we are to preserve life, that we champion life, that we quite literally work to keep the human species alive As death was ever present for the first disciples, there are many indications that our own physical well being as a species is in peril too. In fact, demographic bombs are uh, going off all over the world. No, not that there are too many people, as is frequently said, but in fact, not enough. Last year, the entire country of China, uh, a country of over a billion people, saw only uh, less than 10 million babies born. That's a record low, and it's part of an ongoing trend of fewer and fewer babies born. Uh, Russia is in serious demographic trouble as well, as is much of northern Europe. There are simply too few people to work to provide for the elderly to pay for the social programs already promised, etc. Not to mention the soul-killing sorrows and opportunities lost as uh, children are aborted or simply never born. What joy much of the world has deprived itself of. Those sorrows have profound social and economic consequences as well. Immigration is seen as the solution as a country will literally take the children from one country and import them into its own to solve this demographic problem. The elimination of baby girls has led to an imbalance in many countries. There's perhaps 100 million more uh, boys and men, for example, in China and India than there are girls. And I don't know if you know what happens when a whole bunch of men in their 20s have nothing to do. They have no prospect of family life. Uh, They are usually interested in a three-letter word. It starts with W and ends with R. But Christians, ordinary folks, without even a single master's degree in medieval literature or gender studies or medieval gender studies, we have the answer to these vexing problems. It's right there on the first page of the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply have dominion. In other words, create and build a civilization. See children as a gift from the Lord. You know, I don't know what has been more detrimental to life, China's one-child policy or the West's prosperity, which we want to enjoy with as few children nagging us as possible. In many European nations and increasingly in America, it is simply considered bad taste to have more than one or two children. Don't you know how much carbon they put out? So being salt in the 21st century may be the return of the large family. The dominion of Christianity may spread quite organically uh, as we heed the call to have children while the rest of the world opts out. Or it could mean that Christians opt out of increasingly experimental uh, medical and technological innovations, advancements that promise the salvation of mankind, but will probably play out more like a scene from Jurassic Park. In what way are we light? Well, it at least means that we light the way for the rest of the world. We're not content to simply be one option of many for the world. We can be bold enough to say that if you were a Christian, you would be better off for it. That is not something that we should be ashamed of. But generally, we should be those people who others look to when things get hard, when their life reveals itself to be without meaning or purpose, when we are joyful, when everyone else is anxious or afraid. Or maybe it simply means we do the right thing. We act as light for our neighbors who live in a dark world. An example. I read a wonderful uh, essay this week, and it included a story about an elderly woman who was on the brink of homelessness, and her neighbor, a Christian woman, came to observe this reality and saved her. What had happened was this elderly woman lived alone. She never had children. And all of a sudden, a young man came into her life, and um, they had a relationship, and he believed, uh, she believed he was a perfect gentleman. Now, you might guess where the story is going. It doesn't end well. The young man was, of course, robbing this woman blind right in front of her, Uh, He worked with a realtor to put her house on the market, and it was just a few days from closing, without the woman's knowledge, of course, when the Christian neighbor, concerned and maybe a little nosy, figured out what was going on and uh, let the woman know, I'm sorry, but this man in your life has been stealing from you, and he's about to sell your house right out from under you. Well, they were able to save the house and probably that woman's life, but it would not have happened if this Christian neighbor had not taken matters into her own hands and been light uh, for this woman who is in a very dark place. What's a city on a hill? On the one hand, I'm tempted to say that such a city is a beacon, a light in the darkness. Uh, Every time I think of this image, I think of a Nighttime, for some reason. I think of a city, its lights shining on a hill as kind of a hope or uh, maybe like a lighthouse almost showing the way. But have you ever stayed in a house that was built on a hill? Um, I know that doesn't happen much in Houston. Uh, but maybe you have and you've thought to yourself, man, this building this thing was a real feat of technology and will and cooperation, much less a whole city. A city on a hill stands as a testimony to the unity of purpose and spirit that such a city must possess to be built in such an isolated place to begin with. Christians, as such a city, we are the people who are put together, who are organized, transparent, honorable, and capable Christians will be the people who are able to solve problems, in addition to the people who hold the high moral ground. Now, at this point, given what Jesus has said about these 'er ne'er-do-wells, his new disciples, these ordinary men and women, it must have sounded to his enemies like he was simply rejecting all that had come before, and he was it was like some kind of power to the people, populist, proto-Marxist revolution, right? He was empowering these people to to really, again, save the world in a a certain respect. And perhaps sensing or expecting or hearing this criticism, Jesus responds, hey, hey, wait, I'm I'm not a revolutionary, okay? I did not come here to tear down everything that had come before me. That's not what's happening in this sermon. He has no intention to take away from God's law, but rather he is going to fulfill it. When he speaks of the jot and tittle, every aspect of the law, that is, the jot, dots, and tittles, there are these uh, aspects of uh, the Hebrew alphabet. Right? And so he's saying every aspect of the Hebrew alphabet, of every word, every letter, I'm going to fulfill the law completely. So Jesus is not a revolutionary. He is building on God's very specific revelation in a particular language at an exact time to a named and numbered people. So these people he's empowering, okay, these are not the the goons of Antifa or the Bolsheviks or the French Jacobins. They don't have to be. They are normal people described as salt and light and a city on a hill, not by virtue of their greatness, but the greatness of their Lord. In them is found life and goodness and hope because they point to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. By simply pointing to Jesus, the Christian creates and preserves life and civilization. As some portions of the world become more hostile to God, This message will be more urgently needed. And you are the people who will bear it. Because of some elite standing of yours in the world? No. But because you proclaim Christ. Amen.